Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to share with you 11 tips or tactics or strategies to help you become loan ready. So over the past uh, couple of years, I've certainly spoken about um, how tight the credit market is. Uh, and it certainly isn't showing any signs of uh, loosening up, or it certainly hasn't uh, yet. You know, in the past, uh, when I'm talking about in the past, I've been running this business for 17 years, and really, save for the last two years, normally you could turn up to the bank, uh, ask them for a loan, they'd, they'd typically say that they'd be more than happy to lend you uh, far more than what you're willing to borrow. Um, you provide them a couple of documents, uh, maybe wait a couple of weeks, and uh, and the money's all yours. Very simple process, uh, not very intrusive, and certainly, uh, you know, in hindsight, there, there could have been uh, significant improvements in the process, but uh, certainly the pendulum has swung the other way because as a result of the Royal Commission and tighter regulation, the credit market is incredibly tight. Skeptic in me uh, suggests that maybe the bank is trying to teach the government a lesson too, uh, because of the Royal Commission and uh, and the tax and, you know, a lot more focus on the banks and so forth. So maybe uh, what they're thinking is, you know, we'll show you government and we'll tighten up credit and see what that does to the economy and the property market to kind of flex their muscle a little bit. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening, but, you know, again, the sceptic in me uh, suggests maybe that's true. Uh, whatever it is, the point is that the loan process is hard work. Uh, you know, we're still getting loans approved for clients, so it's not like we have to deal with a lot of declines or so forth. Um, but certainly borrowing capacity has contracted, so uh, certainly there's people, we've got clients that are willing and able to borrow and it would be prudent for them to do so, uh, but they're not able to get a, a loan approved. Um, but if we lodge an application, we typically get it approved. It's really just a very laborious, long, drawn-out and intrusive process. So... There's a few things that you can do if you're planning to borrow over the next sort of, let's say, 12 to 18 months. There's a few things that you can do to become what I would term as borrower ready, loan ready. Uh, and there's 11 tips, and that's the that's what I'd like to sort of go through in this podcast. So the first one is a pretty obvious one: is start three to six months out. Start thinking about uh, some of these tips that I'm going to. Uh, go through now in the past you didn't have to do that in the past you could just think okay i'm going to buy an investment property and we had some clients in the past you know just go and buy one and then think about finance later on not even thinking it's going to be an issue and it never was well now we really need to make sure or you need to make sure you're prepared and if you do that three six months out at least it gives you time to course correct if there's something you need to change or address you can do that before you go and lodge an application uh, and kind of fix it up uh, the second uh, point is think about discretionary spending. And my advice, uh, depending on your circumstances and your income and the amount you want to borrow and so forth, um, but if you'd like to maximise your borrowing capacity, uh, then what you need to do is three months out before lodging an application is you need to reduce or almost eliminate any discretionary spending. Because what the bank will do is they'll have a look at your last three months of bank statements and they want to do two things. They want to, one, try and identify and ascertain how much you're spending on, on a monthly basis and they'll use that amount 
when calculating your borrowing capacity and your affordability. And number two, they're looking for commitments that you haven't disclosed. So you do have other loans or other other financial commitments that they need to take into account. It's a very intrusive process and it's and it's pedantic and it's gone well beyond uh, what I would regard as prudential lending standards. So, you know, things like one-off transfers to family members are questioned. Uh, well, this week we had a question about a bucks night expense. Now, I don't know what a... Well, I can only imagine what a bucks night expense is. Uh, I didn't look at the statements. I don't really... Uh, didn't look into the detail, but credit asked, you know, uh, asked to investigate what that expense was. I mean, it's so ridiculous. Withdrawals at casinos is a problem, you know, that it can, it can uh, raise questions. Even, even questions around small expenditure on Uber Eats, you know, is it, is it continual? How often does it happen? Those sorts of things. So, look, the bank's not going to distinguish between what is discretionary and non-discretionary. You know, there's some non-discretionary expenses that we can't avoid. Utilities and insurances and these sorts of things. But eating out is obviously a discretionary expense. The bank doesn't care. They'll just assume it's ongoing. So the best thing you can do for yourself is reduce or eliminate all discretionary expenditure three months out. Uh, that'll that'll sh- demonstrate two things. Firstly, it'll demonstrate your core living expenses and give you comfort and might even help you kind of reset uh, your um, spending habits. And secondly, it'll make sure that, it, one, it'll minimise a lot of questions and intrusiveness from the bank. Um, and two, it'll just maximise your borrowing capacity. So that's the second tip is reduce discretionary expenditure three months out. Uh, number three is trying to control or have a think about controlling information flow. So if all your loans are with Westpac, for example, and you do all your banking with Westpac, then they can not only look at the last three months worth of transactions, they can go back 12 months or two years or three years. You know, they've got complete visibility on everything about you. Whereas if all if you do your transaction banking at CBA, for example, and all your mortgages are at Westpac, when you go to Westpac and ask for a new loan or uh, renegotiate your loans, they're going to have to ask you for your CBA statements. You can control the information flow. So, you know, if you've had a couple of bad months uh, from an expenditure point of view uh, and then you clean everything up for the next three months, then you can provide those three months' worth of statements. They, they can't go back and ask for the previous ones. Well, if they do, you'll know about it. So um, having your transactional banking with a lender that's separate from your mortgages, from that point of view, in some circumstances, and it depends on how tight your circumstances are, can assist you in maintaining that information flow and kind of building Chinese walls to some degree between those uh, providers. Uh, I've always been a fan of keeping personal and business separate. So if you're self-employed and you've got business transactional accounts or business lending, uh, try and keep them with a separate lender to what your personal lending accounts are with for, for also the same reasons, control of information flow. Okay, number four is consider shifting loans onto different securities. So it's about understanding that lenders will have different borrowing capacities and sometimes significant and material differences in borrowing capacities. Uh, and it's really about how a lender treats what they would term as external debt. So external debt is really mortgages with a, a bank or institution other than themselves. Um, a lot of lenders will not distinguish between internal and external debt, but some lenders will um, take external debt at repayment amount. 
So instead of uh, measuring your borrowing capacity or your affordability on that loan at a benchmark interest rate, which is now 7.25%, they'll just take it at repayment amount, which and your interest rate might be sort of 3.5%, so sort of half that amount. Um, and that can have an impact of extending your borrowing capacity. So for some clients, what we do is we move all their existing mortgages that might be with a lender that doesn't have a large borrowing capacity all onto one security or two securities, and then try and free up one property if they've got multiple, you know, if they're lucky enough to own multiple properties, uh, free up one property and use that and take that to a completely new lender, a lender that has a larger borrowing capacity. So it's kind of about sort of juggling loans. I know it sounds complex, but what you really do need is the help of a really experienced uh, mortgage broker to help you do that. Number five, this won't apply to everyone, but if you've got a, a family trust, family discretionary trust, be careful with the distributions. So now, these days, uh, a lot of lenders are not going to include the income from the trust if it's gone to a non-applicant, a non-loan applicant. Best I explain this using an example. So let's assume you've got mum and dad, they're self-employed, they've got a family trust. They've also got two adult children that are at uni, they're not earning any income, accessible income. Um, If the mum and dad make, say, $200,000 worth of profit, Uh, the best thing to do from a taxation planning perspective is distribute $50,000 to each adult. So $50,000 to each mum and dad and then $50,000 to each of the children. Um, And that'll spread the tax burden amongst four adult individuals. Now, if mum and dad go on and apply for a loan, however, the bank's going to say, well, the $50,000 that you discretionally gave to your children or distributed to your children in that year, we're not going to include that as income, which is completely nonsensical because a, a trust or a trustee has complete discretion how uh, you distribute monies. Now, not all lenders uh, treat it like that. So, if you're going to distri- if you've got a trust and you're going to make trust distributions and you're going to want to borrow in the next one to two years, that's something you need to talk to your accountant and mortgage broker about in terms of how do you structure that, what lenders are available, um, and and what your situation is. But don't 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 be caught out by that one. That's a a, a bit of a new change, uh, I, I would say. I've come across it a couple of times over the years, but this is it's becoming way more common these days. Uh, number six is have a transaction account or credit card with other institutions. Uh, so uh, when you lodge an application, it will be credit scored. If you get a high credit score, it'll be a very smooth appro- uh, approval process. If it's a lower credit score, they're going to look or go through it with a, a finer tooth comb. Uh, so one way to re- to increase your credit score was to make you look like a lower credit risk is to become an existing customer. Then you're kind of known to the bank. Um, all you need to do to become an existing customer is hold a transaction account and or credit card. Both is typically better. So if you've got all your banking with one institution, then you're really unknown to every other institution in Australia. It's gonna, it, it will, and you go and apply for a loan with those other institutions, uh, you will score lower. So give consideration to that. You know, it might be good to have some credit card and transaction accounts with other with lenders, you know, one of the other big four or something like that. But if you do have transactional accounts with other lenders that you're not using, don't necessarily close them off if they're not costing you any money either. So something to sort of think about. And again, it's something that, you know, if you're thinking about these sorts of things six to 12 months out, three to six months out, I should say, uh, you've got time to establish those and become what they would regard as an existing customer. 
Uh, number seven, consider the impact of changes of jobs or circumstances. Maternity leave, change in jobs, uh, promotions, these sorts of things. They can have an impact on your ability to borrow. Um, lenders are becoming really pedantic. You know, the, the credit managers, are, uh, there's a lot of oversight of credit managers, so they don't want to move outside of policy. Um, so if they need one payslip, you have to absolutely wait until you're in that role and you get your first payslip before the bank will even move the loan application forward. Whereas in the past, they'd, they'd apply a little bit of common sense. So again, if you're going to change your employment or you're going to change your circumstances uh, and, and it's coming up and you plan to borrow over the next year, have a chat to your mortgage broker, mortgage advisor, make sure that you're going to be a bit strategic around how those changes are going to impact your ability to borrow. Number eight is make sure you have perfect conduct. Uh, that is that uh, uh, loans are repaid on time, credit cards are repaid on time, you don't miss any payments, no accounts go accidentally into uh, overdraft. We've had some issues with clients that don't have any material credit issues, but maybe in an administrative issue there was one with um, where, where an account had been closed and a loan was trying to take a repayment and the client had to deal with it manually. Um, and it's caused problems. So again, if a credit manager, if the policy says the credit contact has to be perfect, even if there's one tiny little thing, one thing for $5, and the credit manager can't tick off it's not perfect, they're not going to risk their job or bonus by ticking off and risking that loan going into default. No one wants to make any decisions these days. Everything has to fit inside the box. So just know that even tiny, tiny little administrative banking issues might come back to bite you. Number nine is all about property valuations. They're coming in low, almost across the board. So you've got to sort of think about that in terms of borrowable equity. The problem is that there's just not enough transactions around, property transactions that is. And really anyone selling in this market in the, in the main is, compul in, is compelled to sell. They're selling for a particular reason. If you're a discretionary vendor, if you want to sell a property, um, you, you'd probably, uh, all things being equal, opt to not do it in this market. You know, wait until it picks up and sentiment picks up and so forth. So because the people, uh, most of the people that are selling this market are under compulsion to do so, they're price takers rather than price makers, and that kind of pulls the median price down. Uh, so it's not necessarily really representative of kind of what's going on in the market or, or what indicative valuations look like. Uh, so that means two things. Firstly, if there's fewer comparable sale transactions for a valuer to rely on, they're going to be forced to be more conservative than they otherwise would be. And secondly, because those comparable transactions aren't necessarily providing great news, that also pulls valuations down. So maybe getting valuations up front to ascertain what your borrowable equity is, to then ascertain whether you can implement your plans. Uh, doing that sooner rather than later might make a lot of sense. Number 10 is uh, pretty obvious, uh, but it's make sure that all uh, tax is up to date, lodged and paid and uh, you're not behind on your tax or anything like that. Same with credit cards. Uh, you know, the lower the balances, the better. Uh, so you don't have any high uh, consumer debt, it does demonstrate better sort of cash flow management and so forth. So think about those sorts of things. And the last tip, which is number 11, uh, is uh, be realistic. Um, understand that lodging a loan or applying for a loan these days is a laborious, 
long-winded, pedantic, drawn-out, intrusive process. And, and that's probably uh, underpitching it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard work. I remember a few years ago, we could potentially lodge an application and have an unconditional approval within 24 hours. Like it went from application to approval, bang. And then you've got loan documents the next day. Like it was super quick. Uh, these days, you might be looking at two, three, four weeks to even get that far. Lots of questions, lots of documents you need to provide. It's just the market we're in. And it's taking us, I think, four or five times more work to get a loan approved than what it has done in the past. So it is hard work. It's it's laborious, it's challenging, and it's pedantic, as I keep saying. So be realistic about that. Don't have, you know, if you applied for a loan five years ago, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be hard work. Um, a lot of this tightening, it's good news. I mean, we needed the lenders to be a bit more prudent. We need borrowers to make prudent decisions. So it's all good news, but it has gone way too far. It's good to have rules, but there's always exceptions to the rules. And you've really got to have a little bit of latitude and you've got to empower your people. The bank has to empower their people uh, to make those uh, rational decisions about what what's a, a good or, or a bad borrower. That's not happening. No one wants to move outside of policy. Um, they're very, very strict. It's a, it's a difficult process. But hopefully if you follow some of these 11 tips that I've gone through um, and you uh, have earlier discussions with your mortgage broker, mortgage advisor, um, and you take steps to uh, improve your credit worthiness, if you like, uh, by implementing some of these 11 steps, uh, you can uh, maybe sidestep some of the hassle. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that's all for this week. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please do share. Please tell your friends and so forth. The more people listen to it, the better. Uh, but until next week, bye for now.